when we're sort of time poor mums, the one thing that you don't want to do is spend more time just trying to make yourself healthy. Not only is there guilt involved in that because you feel slack from taking time away from your kids or anything else that needs to be done, but it doesn't take any more time to just pick a different vegetable off, off the grocery shelf or to pick a different type of fruit or to pick a different type of protein. Like that does not take any more time. And diversity is what you need in order to improve your gut health. It is the fastest way. Hello and welcome to Mum Life, a podcast for ambitious mums navigating the sweet and messy journey of motherhood. I'm Leonie Kidanor, and each week I will bring you conversations with mums and parenting experts about the highs and lows of motherhood and tips to make our lives that little bit easier. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Mum Life podcast. It's great to have you here. Today, I'm bringing you a conversation with Dee Zambara, a friend of mine and a nutritionist. We're talking all things nutrition and smart eating. When I reflect on our conversation, it actually made me think about my life journey with food. In my childhood, I was fortunate, like many of us, to be able to eat whatever I wanted. And because I was so active, I'd burn it all off pretty quickly. I took that same attitude into my early 20s and noticed that eating whatever I wanted led to me feeling a little bit soft around the edges. The parting probably didn't help with this, eating at all hours of the night after leaving clubs or having dumplings the next day after a night out probably didn't do me any good on the nutrition front. I actually remember lambs on chaps was my favorite late night food spot. All of you Melburnians will know what I'm talking about. Uh, For those of you who don't know, lambs is a souvlaki joint on Chapel Street here in Melbourne, and they knew me well for my late night visits. In my late 20s, I moved to Sydney and lived predominantly in Bondi Beach and probably became the most conscious about my diet then. I lived that classic Bondi lifestyle, very active, waking up at sunrise to run the Bondi to Bronte track, starting my day with green smoothies, ending it at Palacano, a late night club with a martini in hand. (laughs) Because I was in a bikini so often, obviously living by the beach, I think that's what probably made me the most conscious I've ever been as far as food goes. You know, and I also had the time to carefully craft my weekly routine of exercise and meals. And, you know, I'd be running, doing my runs and swimming and, and doing swim and sauna at icebergs. I kept a food diary to make sure that I stayed on track and knew exactly how much sugar I was having. I'm a bit of a sweet tooth. Um, chocolate is actually my kryptonite. My self care practice and diet was probably at the top of my priority list. And then I moved back to Melbourne and soon after I fell pregnant and that active lifestyle just flew out the window. I remember being so frustrated when I was pregnant that I couldn't do the high intensity exercise that I loved and that made me feel alive. So boxing, running, spinning became slow walks, yoga, I did eat whatever I wanted when I was pregnant um, with the nausea, carb loading was my specialty. 
although I noticed that my meal sizes dropped as my stomach expanded. And then children came along. And as a mother of now two little boys, my diet and self-care, to be honest, has slipped on my list of priorities. And this conversation with Dee really made me realize that. At the moment, I'm just eating when I can. I often start my day with two coffees and then realize it's lunchtime and, oh, that's why my body's feeling queasy. I haven't eaten anything. I often have the same meal for lunch. I have chocolate at around three o'clock for that sugar hit. And dinner is probably the only meal that's really planned for. In this conversation with Dee, we discuss how we as mothers can find easy ways to ensure that our bodies are receiving the nutrients it deserves. We talk about how what we put in our mouths ultimately affects our moods, our motivation levels, and our ability to live our best selves. Let's go to the conversation. Hi, Dee. Welcome to the podcast. We're thrilled to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Leonie. I love podcasts and I love having yeah. chats. <laughs> yeah. No, look, we, um, for our audience's benefit, we actually met, what was it, a couple of years ago in Bondi at Chris Brown, yeah. also known as Bondi Vets House Party. So, actually, like, honestly, and now look at our lives. It's funny how, you know, I went from like parting up in Bondi to like hashtag mum life now, you mm. know, like how things change. <laughs> oh my gosh. The things I do now I wouldn't be caught dead doing before. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So I remember when I first met you, I was like, first of all, who is that bombshell? Like, I need to be friends with Love her. <laughs> but also, but also, I remember you telling me you're like, um, obviously, you had a bit of uh, history in the pageant sort of world. Yes. And you definitely, classic, you know, you being quite humble. I, I, when I did a little bit of research on you for this episode, mm-hmm. I realized, no, you didn't just do a little bit of pageant stuff. You were actually Miss International. Australia beauty queen and so like completely killed it. So talk to me then about having gone, having had that experience and how long did that go for that whole sort of your pageant life? How how long did that experience sort of go for? It was about uh, five years, but on and off because one year, uh, so I won in 2011, then 2012, I was sort of the, the, like the queen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) the queen. (laughs) I love it. And then I did another pageant in 2013 and then the the year after that was, again, like the The queen. queen, yeah. And then yeah, yeah, the, yeah. 2015. So yeah, it was kind of, it was about oh, yeah. you know, five years. Yeah. It's so, so amazing. And like way to have all those titles under your belt. Like it's so cool. And I'm sure from those experiences, you would have just learned so much, which has brought you to sort of, I guess, where you are today. So talk to me then about, you know, your world today. It's around holistic health. Yeah. Talk to me about your journey in getting to where you are today. Well, it's funny because it really did start with, I used to look around at all the girls doing my beauty pageants and I used to think, wow, these girls are beautiful, like stunning. Mm. And granted, a lot mm. of them had had a lot of work done, but mm. it was a different, not only was it that, but it was, it was, they knew how to look after themselves and that was, they were so beautiful, you know, and mm-hmm. that kind of intrigued me and learning about myself and, and about my body and sort of having to figure out you know, when I'm tired and exhausted, how physically I look, you know, do I glow? Do I have that 
you know, boost of energy because, you know, when people are, you know, more energetic and confident and bubbly, they become more attractive, even if at first you didn't think that they were attractive, like, you, you, you know what I mean? So, so initially it was sort of a, a beauty aspect to it. I was like, wow, they're so beautiful. And people who look after themselves are so beautiful and maybe not beautiful in society standards necessarily, like also that, but also their attractiveness, like their magnetism, I guess. So glowing from the inside yeah, out sort of thing. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. So, mm. so that's, that's how it sort of really started. And then obviously I was living in Bondi and everybody in Bondi is a PT. So I'm <laughs> yeah. a PT, right? And, mm. <laughs> and so then that, that sort of pursuit of, I guess, the then physical beauty around it and, and, you know, feeling strong and being toned and being slim and all that sort of stuff. That's really where it started. But at the same time, I had my own health journey. So I had to figure out natural tools to use to heal myself because I had been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which a lot of women have, like at least 50% of women mm. in Australia have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I would what say is, it's less diagnosed. What is it ex- exactly? What is that just for my benefit? Yeah. yeah so it's a hormonal condition. Um, okay. like, so your sex hormones as a female, so only females get this, your, your sex hormones are imbalanced. It stems from a number of reasons. Uh, it can be estrogen dominance. It can be progesterone deficiency. Uh, it basically just means that your periods are irregular. You might have higher levels of testosterone, um, and androgens in your body as a female so that they're higher than they should be. Um, yeah, so so it's basically it's basically those two things. However, the interesting thing is that how it's diagnosed now, and this is like a little bit unintended, but how it's diagnosed now um, is different to how it was diagnosed even sort of five years ago because they changed the criteria. So before they used to just ultrasound women's ovaries, and if they had um, you know a, a certain number of follicles or what they would call cysts on their ovaries, then they would term that polycystic ovarian syndrome because there's many cysts in the ovaries um but but we know now that it's just a matter of we've got just got lots of follicles in there or we've got lots of cysts in there because when you have imbalanced levels of sex hormones it takes a longer time for those follicles to mature so there's just more immature follicles because you know they haven't had a chance to to mature and obviously if you're having less periods then you're going to have more cysts on your ovaries because there's a whole bunch of them trying to get up to speed, but your ovaries are still making more of them. So it just ends up with like mm. a big cluster of underdeveloped follicles waiting okay. to be the, the chosen one and be released. So, yeah, so that's what polycystic ovarian syndrome is. And the one mm. type is is when you don't have many periods at all. So like people might have one or two or maybe three periods in a year. And then mm. there's the other type of polycystic ovarian syndrome. So still the same criteria, irregular periods mm. and high levels of testosterone, but mm. they have also like estrogen dominance symptoms usually where they just get their period almost all the time and it is super heavy. Mm. So then you have trouble with, oh, you know, iron deficiency yeah. anemia and things like that because women are losing really lots of blood. So, yeah, oh, it's yeah. pretty, it can be pretty severe. And usually if people mm. have PCOS, they're either really underweight or can get really overweight. So they have trouble with weight as well. Um, but that's what kicked off your journey then having experienced yeah. that then where to from there how did you then get into starting your own company and everything around yeah it? so so it was you know the sort of beauty thing and then and then PT and then as I sort of got mm. to learn more about the body because before all of this I had done mm. psychology 
at university, which actually I had to cut that degree short. I was doing a double degree in business and psychology. I had to cut Mm. that degree short in order to do my first international pageant because I totally wasn't expecting to win and they wouldn't let me sit my exams early um, at Macquarie University. So I was like, guys, come on, like I'm willing to sit them early here like and have less study time than everybody else. But they basically, they wouldn't let me do it. So that kind of sucked. But I had to make a decision, you know, like I could always come back to psychology if I wanted to really do that. But Mm -hmm. I had this opportunity now and I really just wanted to pursue that. And I feel like in a very roundabout way, it was exactly what I needed to do because it got me where I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I was doing uh, PT, I felt like there was a massive part missing. And having done my own research and looked at how to heal polycystic ovarian syndrome, Mm -hmm. I realized that there was a massive piece missing and that was the nutrition aspect of things. And not only was I interested in it, I was obsessed with it. And I thought, Mm -hmm. why not get paid to research this stuff and know this stuff and help other people with what I have learned? So that's Mm -hmm. when I decided to do, um, you know, my nutrition qualifications. So which was the best thing I ever did. Like I am living my life's dream here. Like I'm doing my life's work. Yeah. I love what I do. So you can even, you can even hear it in your voice. Like, you know, when people talk (laughs) about things that they're passionate about, it comes, comes through so strongly. So talk to me then about the fact that you are a mother too. And our audience are obviously young mums. Now I know, you know, for myself, as far as nutrition and holistic sort of lifestyle goes, um, you know, I've got, two under two, Mm. uh, nutrition for me is probably sitting on priority 10 of my list. Mm. Um, you know, sleep is at the top where I can. Um, and also when I'm exhausted, I'm reaching for sugar. Like that's my kryptonite. So like chocolate, give it to me coffee. Thank you very much. And I know that these aren't the best things to be reaching for. So with us being mums, busy, you know, young, new mums who have children who may not and have toddlers that are scrambling at your feet. What's your sort of advice or guidance around how we can maybe be starting to um, improve the way in which we look after ourselves? Yeah, I think the key element, without a doubt, is learning Mm. about your body. Because even though you know what you, quote, should be doing, you're not going to do it if you don't really understand exactly what's going on in your body at, at any given time. So if you know mm. that you could make a better decision, you know, maybe, or you knew what the, um, the level of damage you were doing to your body based on this versus that, well, you'd choose the better thing over the worst thing while still kind of fulfilling that need that you have at the time, if that makes sense. So yes. for example, for example, um, when it comes to sugar. So we crave sugar as a stress response. Sugar is really easily digestible to our bodies. It gives us energy very quickly, which our body is asking us for in that moment. You know, it's probably a, it's a reactive issue usually because we haven't fueled ourselves enough for the level of demand on us before that point. So we get to that point, we want something that's fast, something that's, you know, easy to break down, going to give us energy straight away. And our brain remembers what previously we've eaten before and what gave Mm. us that quick fix. And so Mm. it's a matter of, you know, our body needing to burn carbs when we're stressed or when things are intense. So, you know, Mm. even in high intensity exercise, our body will burn carbohydrates over fats or, I mean, it's burning both at the same time, but it's more burning more carbohydrates than it is fats 
because the intensity is so high because you need to make energy very quickly in order to sustain that level of high intensity. And you can relate that completely back to mums and mums' lives and how intense their stress is. It doesn't have to be a physical hit class. It can be, you know, having a multitask, having to look after this baby and breastfeed that one at the same time and get the food ready and, and you know, put this one's shoes on and vacuum the house and all that sort of stuff is really high demand on a female body or on a male body, of course, too. Um, but, you know, we're just talking about us moms. But it's yeah. a really high demand on us as moms. And so our bodies crave carbs and crave sugars because of that stress response. Um, because it takes way too long to utilize fat. Fat is a, is a time consuming process. And that's why when we're calm, we, we crave sugars less and we do better mm. on high fats. So mm. it's really about, you know, which energy system you're working in and which response your body is in so whether it's a stress response or the recovery response and by that i mean the um fight or flight response or the rest and digest response and mm-hmm. therefore which fuel your body is asking you for in order to fuel that response okay that yeah. makes so much sense yeah. so <laughs> it's interesting though because with what you just said I often, it's not that I necessarily feel hungry when I'm having the sugar. It's mm. just, it is, it's a, like, it's a, an anxious kind of reach for, you know, whatever I can while I've got two kids hanging off me, just mm-hmm. quickly have the sugar. Cause I know, as you said, your brain knows that you'll feel better after it or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I don't feel hungry though, per se. So when you say your body is kind of, um, yeah, were you sort of I- implying that I should have potentially been eating my meals more properly and therefore I won't reach for the chocolate? Oh, how does it work? Yes. So yes, both of those things, right? So mm. so yes, having balanced your blood sugar earlier on, but also having to address stress in the moment is very important. So, okay. and that really comes down to, you know, if you can do it, deep breathing, positive self-talk, all that kind of stuff to calm you down and get you back into the present moment because it's when we're sort of feeling flighty and feeling, you know, concerned and worried and anxious and trying to multitask that we're then creating from our brain the need to switch into that, you know, I need fast fuel to fuel me because it's not really a hunger thing necessarily. It can be. And, and this is kind of the, this is kind of the, the other thing to talk about is that when the kids go to sleep and when, if the house is clean and you Mm. sit down, then all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, I'm starving, you know? And so, so that's, so that's kind of this two pronged approach of the stress response layering on top of, of the fuel that's required from your body. So, you know, there's always, I always say to my clients, there's good, better, best options. So sometimes they make okay choices or good choices, but they don't make better choices or the best choices for them in that moment. And so that's, you know, the the stress response is a whole nother layer on top of just the nutrition conversation that I spend so much time educating people on that I don't feel like people have enough understanding around that. And Dr. Libby is really one of the amazing, amazing gurus around this who sort of started to share that message. And uh, I love her work so much. And I do really see just how important it is when, when either physically you're under stress or emotionally, you know, you have a thought that is stressful how that triggers this 
cascade of responses in your body and therefore determines our behavior and influences our choices very much so. So, you know, it's not a surprise that you're not actually hungry at the time. It's just because your body's like, hey, here's the, you know, here's my fuel. Here's my demand. I need to bridge that gap. It's not necessary, necessarily hunger. It's just your body needs the mm. energy, right? Um, and also yes. you're not going to get the hunger cues or the hunger signals anyways because when you're in the stress response, you are not in the rest and digest response. Anyhow, yeah. you may be hungry, but you're not going to get the cue that you're hungry until the stress goes away, until the kids so, Yeah, I really can relate to that. And when I think about it, so two sort of scenarios, one is after I have my lunch and if the kids are still sleeping, and I'm often hoovering my lunch down because I don't know <laughs> if one of them's going to wake up, right? Yeah. Hoovering it down and then I'm like, oh, they're still sleeping. Great. I'm going to make myself, and the only thing I've got in the house at the moment is hot chocolate because I'm trying to like not have any other chocolates at home at the moment. So I'm like, I'm going to make myself a hot chocolate and I sit there. I don't even need it, right? I've had my lunch, but I'm like, I need to have this. And and you're right. Mentally, I'm like, they're going to wake up any minute now. Then it's going to be chaos. Then I've got to do this. And then I want, I've got to, you know, and I've got to change two nappies at once. And then I got to, so let me just have my hot chocolate in peace. So I have my hot chocolate, which I don't need. And then off I go on my date. But then there's other times where I'm like, oh, I really need a chocolate. I've got the kids at my feet, but then I'm about to take them for a walk. And I go, you know what? I'm not going to have a, you know, I'm not going to have a bit of sugar before I go for a walk because I'll feel gross when I'm walking. Like that's just a personal Mm. thing. When Mm. I'm walking, I'll start getting thirsty because I had a Tim Tam or whatever before the walk. So (laughs) I leave it and then I go for my walk. And as I'm walking five minutes down the road, I'm thinking that Tim Tam idea has just gone out of my head, right? Because as you said, you're, you've just decompressed Mm -hmm. and your Mm -hmm. state is different. Um, So that really resonates with, with what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to me then about how we can in the moment be decreasing our stress so that we're reaching for fewer, you know, things that we know that aren't great for us. So you mentioned deep breathing as potentially one tool. Is there anything else that comes to mind? Yes. So nutritionally, making sure that you're having enough proteins and fats is important before the event because then should you crave carbs and should you really need that in the moment, you could always have fruit. You could always have snacks that are carbs and not go too high over your sort of carb recommendation because this is the problem. Mm. People just, we're just living off carbs and it's far too Mm. much. And the interesting thing is that the more you fuel with carbs, the easier it is to flick into the stress response, right? Should you be having too, too much? I'm talking about it's extreme. It's on the extreme end of the spectrum. Not that people shouldn't be eating carbohydrates. Hell no, I don't believe that. But this, they're so far on the other end of the spectrum that they just need to get back to like a normal baseline where they're eating more proteins and more fats. Um, and the, the more proteins and the more fats you have, the more calm your nerves are because our nerves are covered in fat. So for, for the signals to be flowing from your brain all the way down your spinal cord out to your nerves properly, we need to make sure that we have adequate fats covering that, making sure that those communications don't get sort of lost. Like, you know, when you have like brain fog, you feel like, wow, it's like the electrical circuiting has just had a, it's got a gap somewhere in there. It's almost Mm -hmm. like you just can't, you feel there's a thought there, but you can't quite get the thought like that. All that communication that's happening in your body is 
electrical impulses, that it needs to be wrapped in a fatty layer to insulate and protect that message going through our bodies and Mm -hmm. making sure that, you know, those communication, those signals are getting from the brain out to the body and and obviously the sensory ones going from the, the body and back to the brain. So all of that conversation that's happening, it really needs a lot of fats in particular, proteins for sure, because our proteins help to make up all of our neurotransmitters. So these are the ones like, you know, oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, all that sort of stuff, um, which is very important and based off amino acids, which come from protein. So it's more the fact that we uh, have skewed carbohydrates so far into the extreme. They are so much higher than they need to be that for us to be able to easily do things like balance our blood sugar and regulate our nervous system, we need to make sure that we're having fats and proteins and more of them in general because generally people aren't getting enough of those. And they're scared of fats, you know. Mm-hmm. I know my mum's generation is scared of fats. They're petrified. Everything was low fat when they were younger. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that I feel like that message sort of got sort of, uh, I guess, thrown onto me or uh, enforced in my household when I was younger. And I realized I had Mm. suffered the consequences of eating a very highly processed, high carb diet as a result of just trying to be wary of fats and reduce fats as much as I possibly could, which is kind of bizarre because now I'm all about, you know, having a good high, I would say high amount of fats in your diet to help keep things steady and stable. It's almost like fats are the balancer. You know, they help to regulate the blood sugar. When your blood sugar is regular, you feel more balanced. It's really when the spikes go too high and too low with blood sugar that we feel emotionally like we're on a roller coaster. So our blood sugar really reflects emotionally how we can feel. So anything that helps to sort of stabilize that will help Mm. us feel sort of more grounded, more calm, more organized, more balanced. Wow. So what are your go-to fats for yourself? Yeah, I I I put olive oil on everything, but cold mm. olive oil. So, you know, there's there's all of these issues with the smoke point of olive oil and how olive oil can become rancid if you if you heat it up too much. This is the same with, you know, the canola oils and all the hydrogenated fats. All of those oils when they get heated, like on your pan, in your oven, whatever it might be, when they get heated, they go kind of rancid and they create oxidative stress in the body and therefore require more antioxidants, which you need from your diet, in order to kind of fix that damage that's going on on the cellular level. So when you add olive oil in its raw form, as it is cold, it's not oxidized and it has this like amazing so many amazing health benefits. I put olive oil on everything cold though. I use minimal amount of oil in my cooking and I put it on cold because I just, you know, it, it, it feels great to have that. And I do notice the difference and avocado and nuts. I mean, I love avocados and I love nuts and I will always mix up whichever nuts I'm having, which brings me to another point about what is the easiest way for you to improve your gut health. And that is diversity. It's as simple as that. And, you know, when we're sort of time poor mums, the one thing that you don't want to do is spend more time just trying to make yourself healthy. Not only is there guilt involved in that because you feel slack from taking time away from your kids or anything else that needs to be done, but it doesn't take any more time to just pick a different vegetable off off the grocery shelf or to pick a different type of fruit or to pick a different type of protein. Like That does not take any more time. And diversity is what you need in order to improve your gut health. It is the fastest way. If you can imagine that there are thousands of bacteria in our gut, and really 
let's just talk about just the gut. We're, we're covered in bacteria anyways. We are more bacteria than we are human cells. But in our gut, there are thousands of, of little strains. And if we could liken that to thousands of people in a crowd, then if you were to feed every single person celery, right? Every single person is always getting celery. Let's just say that somebody <laughs> loves celery, right? The, the chances of all of those people thriving off celery is very slim, right? Let's say everybody has a different preference, a different food that their body works best off. And so if you give them celery and broccoli and asparagus and blah, 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 and all of the diversity that you can possibly give them, then you're making every single person there happy and you're making every single person there thrive and get stronger because you're feeding everyone because you're catering to a wider diversity, a wider range of people. And those people are our bacteria. So it's, it's almost the same. It's almost like all of our bacteria, almost each of them prefers a different type of food and thrives off a different type of food. And our bacteria are literally everything. They, they do more for us than we could ever know. And we are really starting to figure that out in the literature and with all the research that we're doing about like on it now, it's just, it's amazing. That's such a good um, analogy as well, just thinking about people um, versus bacteria because that makes so much sense to me. I'm such, um, for me, I always have basically the same lunch throughout the week because you know what? It's easy, right? So for someone like me then, is the tip there potentially on a weekly basis just look to change it up so that it's like I love having like a little noodle soup that I put different vegetables in, right? So maybe what I could be doing is changing up some of the vegetables, changing up the type of noodle, putting in lentils instead, that sort of stuff. Yes, yes. And it is, yes. Mm. And how easy is that if you just, it's even, you know, it's even choosing cauliflower instead of broccoli because you always choose broccoli or choosing corn over peas because you always choose peas. Like it's, it's, or, or sweet potato versus a normal potato or a purple carrot instead of a red carrot. Like those little things do make a difference because the colors of vegetables all sort of equal different micronutrient profiles. So, you know, all the different, like, you know, for example, let's say like orange and yellow, they tend to be really high in vitamin C. Reds tend to be really high in vitamin A. Greens tend to be really high in vitamin K and potassium. So even if it's just a different color, you are likely going to get a a wider array of micronutrients as well, just by simply adding a different a different color of vegetable or a different color of fruit. Obviously, I want people to eat whole, whole real foods. So that's fruit and veg, um, you know, some legumes, some, some good quality proteins and, um, you know, um, nuts and seeds. Like really, mm-hmm. that's where we want to go. And, and, there are, and there are grains and I prefer gluten-free grains, which are healthy for us. Um, I believe mm-hmm. that, you know, those, those, those gut bacteria, they do need resistant starch. And so we do have to provide that in our diet, which we can still get from legumes and we can still get from vegetables. Um, so we don't necessarily need grains in our diet as long as we're getting plenty of resistant starch from other sources. But that does make up a, a well-rounded, healthy diet, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but it really is as easy as just just pick a different color, pick a different flavor. You know, if you don't normally top your, you know, homemade acai bowl with kiwi fruit, then pick kiwi fruit. Or if you don't usually use passion fruit, add passion fruit. You know, a little bit of everything is a great way to go, especially if you do eat the same thing. So say, for example, for you, Leonie, say you eat, you make up the same granola every single day. Let's just say as an example, mm. right? Yep. The more variety you put 
in that granola, you could make a massive jar of it and not have to have spend any more time adding different things every day. Just the more variety you put in there, the more different, you know, you've got sunflower seeds and pepitas and sesame seeds and chia seeds and, you know, cashews and walnuts and blah, 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 whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The more of those that you mix, then every single day when you're sort of adding that into your, you know, yogurt or... <laughs> Coconut yogurt because I'm not a huge fan of dairy. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I'm the same. I'm not into <laughs> yeah, dairy, yeah. but only because I'm intolerant. So, yeah, yeah so am I. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 65% of the world is. I can't believe we mm. consume so much dairy when 65% of the world is is lactose intolerant. Mm. Anyways, but doing something like that where yeah you don't need to spend any more time and it's already pre-made is a great idea. It's a great way to improve your gut health, and that's just, that is like. That is so easy. It's not going to cost you any more money because you're still having the same amount of granola. So yeah. Yeah, little tips and tricks like that, even in your salad, just put a whole bunch of different stuff in there. Um, you the, know, instead yeah. of having just, you know, just kale and just cucumber, like make three different base salads for yourself and put a whole bunch of other stuff in there. Add the tomatoes, add, add you know, maybe add some seeds to that uh, or nuts to that. Um, yeah, so I feel like so- it is... Yeah, it is a lot easier than people think it is to have yeah. good gut health and therefore good overall health because the gut really is the center of all health, in my opinion. Too. Let's let's talk about that. So um, I know that, like, because I, I really want to push for and probably more for myself to hear it too. The importance of this, right? And I think yeah. I feel like you've sort of touched on it in in a way around how this can impact your stress as well, and and you know, and certainly not support you. I know that, for example, like I'm obsessed with Tony Robbins, right? So oh, I um and he Tony. yeah and he <laughs> go Tony. And, um, I actually did his five day like date with destiny thing oh, um, course uh, a couple of years ago, which amazing. was just amazing. But um, one thing that obviously he's big on trans transformation right and really um working with you know change with people so and I know that one thing he really stresses is that ultimately you're only going to change if the impact of not changing is too dire that you kind of feel forced to really change and I think this is the thing with me is that I'm like my health is all right I feel all right you know and so whatever, I just keep having the same soup every day with the same ingredients because the alternative, like at the moment, I'm not feeling so dire that I need to change. But I think the importance here is I almost need to catch myself now before it comes to a point where, you know, I start realizing that there are more issues with my body because, you know, ultimately my body's given up because I haven't given it the nutrition it needs. So talk to me about the importance of us really being mindful of our diet now. If we feel pretty fine with ourselves at the moment, why is it important for us to change? Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up. And I will quote my very dear friend, Brent Williams, the enemy of a good, a great life is a good one. So I'll repeat that. The enemy of a great life is a good one because you get complacent when things are okay and you don't make that extra effort when things are okay because you're like, oh, they're okay, they're tolerable. And the thing is, is that, you know, the bigger motivator for people really is to avoid pain. But when there's pain is not, the pain is not in their face, you know, when the pain is not, okay, look, you know, if you, if you don't lose weight, you are going to have a heart attack. If you haven't been told that, then the thing that I would say to people is wanting to live every day as the best day ever really starts from your physical body because you take your body everywhere you go. And really what I do is it's preventative medicine. 
right? It's preventative medicine. It's about understanding your body to figure out how do I unlock my greatest potential? And that to me, the tool that I use for that is nutrition. Because when you're like, I can't tell you the amount of millionaires that would say, I would give up everything for great health when they're in a, uh, you know, when they're in a spot of poor health, they would give up everything. They would pay every single dollar. And there's a Buddhist teaching actually that talks about, you know, people spend their whole life sacrificing their health to make money. And then they spend the rest of their life sacrificing their money to get back their health. Your body talks to you with symptoms. That's the only way it speaks to us, right? And it is telling us a lot of the time when things are not right, but in different ways. And that's why I think it's so important that people learn about their body because when you learn about the symptoms and you understand what they're saying, you can then make the changes. But because our body can't physically say, hey, don't like what you did there. That late night was not okay. You, you, you know, I really needed some sleep then. Um, you know, or you, or I would have preferred you made this decision over the decision that you made. You're not going to know any of that stuff if you don't take the time to learn about your body. And that is why education is everything. It allows you to apply things in your own life and experiment with them and see how, how different it makes you feel. Like your health is the one obstacle that could stand in your way of you achieving your greatest, wildest dreams. It is the one thing. Because, you know, when you look at, you know, you look at energy, you look at stamina, you look at commitment, like all of those things requires a body that is in alignment physically, that is attuned, that is clear of junk, you know. So we're talking about like physically here, we're talking about like your detoxification systems, your neurotransmitters in your brain, like you might not get the cues to be happy, to have motivation, to fuel you, to continue to keep going if you have poor gut health. If you're feeding your body junk, then what is going to travel to your brain? Junk, you know? And so it's more about thinking about your quality of life and what that means to you or what it would mean to you to achieve your goals and then realizing that a massive potential obstacle is your physical body. Because if your physical body is full of junk, then your brain is going to be full of junk. That's going to affect your motivation to do something. It's going to affect your clarity on what it is that you really want. And then it's going to affect mm. the actions that you take. And that's going to affect what your life looks like because you haven't created a life that's, that's in alignment for you because your body is mm. not in alignment. And again, it makes so, mu- yeah, so much sense. It's just the food you put in your mouth, you know? Is is kind of so I feel like for me that's been the missing piece. Like I can sit there and do my meditation in the morning or write my gratitude or whatever, but then I'm like, cool, just back to the same old with my, you know, nutrition. And and then as you said, I mean, as as mums, the things that we face, it's like constant that stress, that fight or flight, that, mm. you know, anxiety, the frustration, sometimes towards our partner and other people and all of that. We could potentially what I'm hearing is that you we could be t- potentially be utilizing, you know, good nutrition to help us stay grounded and to uh, help support us and potentially help shift those sort of more negative, I guess, emotions into a little bit more stable and potentially positive, um, you know, realm. That's essentially what you're saying, isn't it? Yes, it it is. It is. And and that is, is, there are so many layers to that as well that could Mm. confirm that. Like energetically looking at food that's alive makes us feel alive. When you're talking about, you know, like mums, we are tired. We are exhausted a lot of the time because a lot of the time we're eating dead food because it's so processed. It's not alive. It's not, you know, it's not fresh fruit and vegetables a lot of the time. So there's energetically 
There's that piece. And then the other side of it is physically giving your body the nutrients that it needs in order to create all of those pathways that occur in the body all the time. Let me tell you a number, Leonie. There are 37 trillion chemical processes that occur in our body every single second. And every single one of those needs a nutrient to fuel it. A vitamin or a mineral. Now, you know, can we honestly say that we are helping to support that by what we are currently Mm -hmm. eating? Yeah. And then it's like, and as moms, it's just like, you know, you go through the stress of pregnancy. That is a huge physical and emotional stress. I remember every single day being like, what if something went wrong today? What am I like? What if I don't, what if I don't, you know, do the right thing today? What if it's a really important, you know, organ they're growing today or it's their heart or whatever, you know? know. Yeah. And so you go through that physical stress and then, you know, the, the, Stress of breastfeeding if you do or the stress of not if you don't, like that's huge, dude, is, is, is equally big, um, you know, and then, and then it's all the stress of, you know, having to raise another human being and be there everything. Mm. I mean, you can't mm. like <laughs> find me a time where there's more stress uh, in a body. <laughs> honestly, and I feel like until you go through it as well, you can't even like really predict or, under, you know, it's harder mm-hmm. to understand or grasp. But when you're in it, like everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, mm-hmm. like resonates 100%. <laughs> so I feel like we could talk about this all day, but I'm mindful of your time. So um, what would you say as sort of a final word of advice for new mums around this whole holistic health approach? I just think it's important to to learn about your body. Spend the time not reading the article on, you know, on a new fad or a new trend, but like really understand biochemically what's going on in your body and, you know, understand what is the detoxification system? You know, what is the endocrine system? How how do my sex hormones get made? Those kinds of things. And and obviously anything on, on, you know, gut health, that's just teaching you about gut health so that you can make your own decisions on what is best for you. Because marketing is just a money-making scheme and people can tell you, oh, this is good for you and that is good for you. But when you understand the body, you can figure out, well, actually, okay, that's good for this kind of person, but that's not me. And you can make those discretionary decisions for yourself, knowing with all the confidence that you know your body well enough to make decisions despite what is being marketed to you. So I, I just, I really think it's learning about your body is the absolute key to feeling confident and to really just being able to live a life that is, that is your purpose, you know, because of all of that clouding and all of that junk. And I mean, there are just, there are so many other things I could talk about in terms of like, you know, what's really in food that we think it's this, but actually, you know, there's also pesticides and herbicides and antibiotics and heavy metals and blah, blah, blah. And that's the kind of junk that I'm talking about that comes mostly from processed junky foods or foods that are just, Mm. you know, or not organic foods. So, you know, again, that's a whole nother that's a whole mm. nother ballpark. <laughs> Maybe another episode in Maybe. the future. <laughs> um, so tell us, obviously, with the education piece, your, I'm sure the work that you do at Cell to Soul, um, your company, um, it really sort of um, provides that support and guidance around it. So tell our audience a little bit about the work that you do and um, where people can find out more about you. Awesome. Yeah. So I have a course out um, and it is just 
I made it because I was repeating the same message over and over and over to my clients. And I realized, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I am saying the exact same things to a lot of people. And I realized it was just the, the kind of message that needed to be delivered on a mass scale. So I've got an online course now um, that gives people that information. It talks about stress and it talks about my three pillars, what you put in your mouth, how you move your body and what you focus on. So this fuel, move and focus, which I just believe is the absolutely, you know, encompasses everything that you could possibly ever need, regardless of what the science says, regardless of the articles that you read. Um, but, but more than that, everything I put on my Instagram, on my Facebook, uh, on my website, and everything that I do in terms of, you know, any projects that I'm doing with other people, it's all centered around helping people to understand food and helping people to understand their body and how food interacts with their body and sort of what are the best decisions to make in what kind of circumstance you're in. So, um, you know, I'm working with um, Sarah's Day on her cooking project at the moment. And a lot of what I'm doing is, again, centered around helping to educate people, helping them to understand things. And because it's not out just yet, oh, actually, maybe by the time this episode uh, airs, it will be out um, and people will see what I mean, but I can't give away too much. But it's about, it's just, it's just about teaching people. Even, um, you know, there's a challenge that I've been doing with the Yard Gym, um, which is just a gym in, in um, Sydney. And again, I totally, it's like, it's, it's the, the typical gym challenge completely flipped on its head. It is all about education. It is just about helping people to understand their bodies in relation to what they're eating, in relation to the fuel that they're using, in relation to the exercise that they're doing. Um, you know, just because I think it's much more empowering for other people to give them the tools and give them the knowledge than to just give them the, the, the meal plan or the, you know, or just, just take the class. Like that's not really doing anything for people because they're pushing themselves further and further into poor health. And I just don't feel as though people realize when they're just following the trends, how much damage they're actually doing to their bodies. Um, so yeah, so it's about helping people to understand that there are better ways of doing things. Again, it's like that good, better, best scale. What is the best thing for you to be doing? Or what's at mm. least better? You know, because mm. again, it comes back to preventative medicine and just looking after ourselves every day so we have a good quality of life. Um, so <laughs> anyway, it's a little bit of a steal. I just really want to I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all about improving people's quality of life and just making them yeah. happy. Honestly, healthy, happy people, that's all I want. <laughs> And people can come to you directly as well through your company to get some some consulting advice and things yep. like that. Yep. So I do one-on-one yeah. consults. Um, yep. I do different people's projects. I do uh, gym challenges. I do, uh, you know, nutrition approvals. I do all of that sort of stuff. But really, you know, I, I do just love the education side of things. I love, I'll be, by the time this airs, I'll have another course out. Um, and it's going to be a bit of a, uh, a bit of a, you know, combination of you know gut health and detoxing um uh, skin hormones all that sort of stuff so mm, they're all really are very very exciting yeah so it's really yeah. about, it's about the education more than anything and i do like my instagram is just about educating people and i answer lots of questions a lot of people will dm me i will tell you whether or not it needs to be a consult in order for me to answer the question but generally I'll, i like i just love people asking questions i just love to share information and uh yeah so people can come and see me one-on-one you can book through my website which is www.celltosoul.com.au um which is c-e-l-l-t-o-s-o-u-l.com.au and it's almost like i take people from the science 
to all the way through to like the energetic soul level. Like that's how I see it. Love health. it. And yes. that's why it's cell to soul because it's like our physical cells to like our soul. <laughs> yes. Love that. Yep. And I'll then, pop the, um, the oh, details the in the episode notes on, on that one as well so that cool. people can find you. Um, mm. I think it's just fantastic. I just want to sort of honor what you're doing in the community. I mean, you, you've gone from sort of the pageant beauty queen um, and to, you know, and again, with the intention of contributing in a way, um, in any way that you could have, you know, see fit, you know, from planting trees and doing fantastic stuff, you know, um, all the way through to now supporting, you know, women and I'm sure some men as well around their their bodies and, and living the best life that they can. So, you know, I just want to honour that contribution. I think it's absolutely fantastic and um, keep doing your great work. It's, um, yeah, it's it's so lovely to connect with you and, and hear all about the, the, the great stuff that you're putting out in the world. Yeah, thank you so much, Leonie. I, really, that means the world to me. Like I, I already know that I'm doing what I should be doing in this world. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm so confident in my purpose. Um, so I'm, yeah, I just, I'm so grateful that it can help people and I, I see it doing it all the time. And so I will never stop. Um, but I also wanted to say, you know, I love what you're doing around helping, you know, working moms. I think it is, uh, or just mom life in general, because there are not enough things that are targeted to us to help us understand what is going on and just to get that level of community you know and i think you know it's 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 so relevant now in the technological age but there is not a lot of community around um, mums and mums mum life but anytime anybody does anything like that you see a blow up because it is so needed you know we need this we we need to be able to talk to each other like this we need to understand what other mothers journeys are like because so often we feel so alone and so isolated and we just think we're doing it all wrong um but it's just that that is that is everyone's journey that's all of our journey we all think we're doing it wrong at some point we all think it's mm-hmm. too much a lot of the time you know we're all yeah. we all go off at our partners we all scream at people yes. unnecessarily <laughs> You know, like, and, and, and it's okay. And, you know, if mm. we can, if we can, you know, help to support us and support our mm. community, then what, how amazing mm. that would be. Um, so yeah, mm. I, I wanted to, I was going to honor you for the work that you've been doing. Oh. I, I love the love. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks so much. much. Yeah. Thank you again so much for your time and we'll certainly be in touch. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and give us five stars if you're feeling fancy. By subscribing to the podcast, every new episode will drop into your podcast library each week. Subscribing is also such an essential way for people to find us and to enable us to grow. Want to be part of the Mum Life community? Join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Mum Life Podcast. Until next time, keep living your best mum life.